Well, welcome to the hills. If you're a part of our regular online family, we're so glad to have you back. And if you're new to our church, I want you to know that we're in a series called Still Life. We're believing as followers of Jesus that even when life has come to a standstill, there is still life. That when we can't go where we want to go or do what we want to do, we can still have joy and hope because of our relationship to Christ. Now, you need to know something about me. I'm a planner. (laughs) My wife might say I'm a control freak, but the reality is I have never walked in my office a single Monday since I've been a pastor saying, I wonder what I'm going to preach on Sunday. I plan. And I had all my sermon series planned for 2020 many months before, and I didn't have a series on a pandemic planned. But then the pandemic came. And it dawned on me, we're in a place right now where we can't go where we want to go and we can't do what we want to do, but actually much of Scripture is written to people in that kind of place or by people in that kind of place. And I thought about the Apostle Paul, who spent a big part of his life in prison. He couldn't go where he wanted to go or do what he wanted to do, and yet he still found life. And he wrote these letters, we call them the prison epistles, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, Philemon. And what we're going to do for a few weeks is we're going to just look at those prisons and we're going to glean truth that are going to give us life in this season. So last week, for example, in Colossians, we looked at that great hymn in chapter one, and we remembered that even in the pandemic, Jesus is still Lord. Because it's so important when we're in a hard place to think about what we think about. And when life has come to a standstill, we need to ask ourselves, what is still true? Because here's what happens. It is so tempting to focus on what we've lost. And it's so deflating to focus on what we've lost. And here's the reality. We have lost some very real things during this pandemic. We've lost a chance to make memories like graduation ceremonies and weddings. We've lost the chance to be with loved ones at very important times, like when they're in the hospital or at a funeral. We've lost our privilege and our joy of meeting together on weekends as a church family to encourage each other and celebrate God together. You know, one of the personal losses I have felt is the presence of children in my life. I'm an empty nester. And the primary way I got to be around kids was to come to our campuses on the weekend and enjoy them. And it's really been a grief to me. And so I asked our team, is there any way we could get some kids to come to the taping? And they said, there's no way. And I said, sure you can. Be creative. Let's find a way to get some kids that I can look at while I preach. And so we created a special children's section. Can we get a camera to look at them right now? Okay. Okay, now, don't send me any email. We checked their temperature before they came, and we made sure everything was good. Okay, we all understand that in a season like this, the enemy wants to direct our thoughts in the direction of fear, and especially in the direction of scarcity. Look at what I've lost. I may not have enough. Can you find any other way to explain a toilet paper shortage at the beginning of this pandemic? Did that pandemic do anything to disrupt the ability of our factories to make toilet paper? Was there anything about the consequences of the pandemic that made us need more toilet paper? And yet we couldn't find toilet paper because the fear checked in. And we began to think, what else am I going to lose? What else is it going to take from me? Now here's what's important. Paul decided, I'm going to think about what I think about. 
when I'm in quarantine, when I'm in lockdown. And what he chose to do is not focus on what he'd lost. What he chose to do was focus on his abundance in Christ. He resisted the enemy's effort to make him forget his true wealth. And the more he reflected on what he could never lose, the more he just began to think, thank God for God. Because here's the big idea. We still have blessings. The enemy cannot steal. See, Paul opens his letter to the Ephesians. It's an interesting letter. There's no names mentioned. There's no controversies mentioned. It's like this is a letter for everybody. And he's reminding us all we are richer than we think. And his opening words are almost like you're hearing a will get read. And you are the beneficiary. We are all beneficiaries. You see, we have a God who is no miser. And so when fear abounds and when thoughts of scarcity try to take control of our minds, we've got to remember not only is Jesus still Lord, but we are still blessed. Right now, 2020, in the middle of a pandemic, as followers of Jesus, we are still blessed. So several years ago, there was a uh, major league baseball player, a pitcher named Matt White. And he had an aunt in Massachusetts who was getting older and was having some uh, health concerns and needed money to pay for it. So she decided she would sell some land that she had lived on a long time. And he didn't really need the land, but he decided he would buy it to help her out. Spent $50,000 on some acreage. Now, he's out walking on this land he's just purchased, and he noticed some outcropping of stone. And he had a geologist come and check. It was a special kind of a mica stone that they use for landscaping, for patios. It was worth $2 billion. This incredible abundance of wealth, it's been there the whole time, and yet it took... Someone to think, to study, to reflect, and to realize it was there. We need to do the same thing. Now, please understand, the blessings that we're going to talk about today are not common grace. Now, I mean by that, sometimes God, because he's just so good, he sends his rain to the just and the unjust. But there are some things that are only for followers of Jesus. There are some things that are only for those who are part of the will. And those are the things we're going to talk about today. If you are in Christ, there are spiritual riches that belong to you. You don't need to ask for them. You need to bask in them. You don't need to ask for them. You need to act on them. And you need to thank God. And that's how the will starts. Look at verse 3 of chapter 1. All praise to God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Quickly, two things. Number one, it's because we're in Christ that we get these blessings. But please notice, past tense. He has blessed us. This transaction is complete and finished. You have these blessings now. You have them today you will still have them tomorrow. You cannot lose them. And so let's start reading the will. And you're going to see you're richer than you think. Verse 4 and 5. Even before he made the world, 
God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Now, if you're not jumping up and down on your couch right now, you're not listening, okay? Here's blessing number one. We are still chosen and cherished. Now, I'm going to take you all the way back to when I was in elementary school. Now, you're going to find this hard to believe. I was not the biggest and strongest and most popular boy in elementary school, okay? But one of the guys who was was Rick Mosteller. He was big. He was strong. He was fast. He was smart. And he was a strong believer in Jesus. And maybe that's one reason why he and I became such good friends. Now, here's why that was cool. Because you know in elementary school, anytime you split up and you pick teams, you're going to pick the cool kids to be captains. Rick was always captain. And here's what I knew. I was going to get chosen. Now, maybe not the first round because he still wanted to win. But at least by the second round, I was going to get chosen to be on Rick's team out of proportion to the ability I brought to the team. You know why? It gave him great pleasure to choose me because he loved me, because I was his friend. Did you know you have always been on the mind of God? You didn't find God. God found you. God made the first move. God decided to save us in Christ before we ever decided to make Christ our Savior. Now, here's why that matters. It means that God's love for us is not dependent on who we are. It's dependent on who God is. It gave him great pleasure to choose us. This is what he wanted to do. And that means I'm not cherished if, I'm cherished even if. Because nobody adopts a child that they don't want. And God knew exactly who you were when he chose you. So if you're a sports fan, you heard of recently a man named Patrick Mahomes. He's a quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. He just signed a contract for $500 million. Okay, he's only been in the league a couple of years. He's already been an MVP. He's already won a Super Bowl. There's no question. He is a true NFL superstar. When the Chiefs chose him in the first round, they were criticized. Here is what they said in USA Today. Calling Mahomes a project is a major understatement. He's nowhere near ready to play in the NFL. And honestly, he may never be. Between his inconsistent accuracy due to poor mechanics, his tendency to bail from clean pockets, and his lack of field vision, he's going to leave as many big plays on the field as he creates. This was a risky pick. Which just goes to show, stop listening to what people say about you and start listening to God. Because God not only knows who you are, God knows who you can become. See, God's love is deep enough to reach you wherever you are, and it's high enough to seat you wherever Christ is. And that's going to be true tomorrow, and it's still going to be true next week, and it's going to be true next year. Here's what Paul says about God's love in Romans 8. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today 
nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Now, people, that's some good news. This is still true. You are chosen and cherished by God. And that should still the lies of the enemy the next time you stumble and wonder if God has stopped loving you. Let's keep reading the will. Verse 6 and 7. So we praise God for the glorious grace He's poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. God is so rich and you are too. You're not just chosen and cherished. He's saying you are still forgiven and free. Now I know something about adoptions. I know that they're not free. I know that they come at a typically high price. I know there are certain legalities that have to be met before you can adopt. And so before we could become legal heirs of the Father, all the legal claims against us had to be satisfied. Now this is big. I want you to understand, I'm talking to someone right now, and you've, you've been told for a long time this big basic lie that all God wants you to do is be good, and good people go to heaven. Let me be real clear. We're not welcomed into the family of God because we do nice things. We're not even welcomed into the family of God because we have nice thoughts about Jesus. We are welcomed into God's family because our sin debt has been paid by the offering of the blood of Jesus as our substitute. Because God's love does not cancel God's righteousness. And God is holy and sin repulses God and His pours out His wrath on sin. And so it must be dealt with. But here's the thing. Before we were created... God had already created a way for every act of our unrighteousness to be covered and erased. Look at the verbs in that will. He poured out, he purchased, he forgave. All the verbs of salvation belong to God. And now hear me, if you hear a gospel where 2% of salvation is up to you, you heard a gospel that is 100% wrong. God gets all the verbs. We don't need to ask for this. We need to bask in this. We need to stop letting the enemy lie to us about our forgiveness and our freedom that Jesus was willing to die to give to us. But it happens. The enemy is so good at planting thoughts in our brain, you're not really forgiven. Not for that. You're not really free. Not from that. I remember years ago, I was with my family at a Mexican restaurant, and I got a big old glob of salsa on a new shirt. I don't know how that happened. Probably it was the kid's fault. <laughs> and Jamie said, that's okay. I'll wash it. I'll clean it. And she did a marvelous job. And you couldn't see it. But I could. In my mind, every time I saw that church, I saw that big old salsa stain. She had cleaned it. It had been erased, but I could still see it in my mind. And I never wore that shirt again. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to plant the thought in your mind that God still sees it. 
Let me tell you, that's coming from hell. It ain't coming from heaven. God will never haunt you with the memory of a sin he has forgiven. He wants you to walk in freedom. And the enemy cannot steal that blessing from you. You need to own it and you need to wear it. Because here's what's true. God doesn't see you through the lens of what you did. He sees you through the lens of what Jesus did. And this is still true, even in a pandemic. That the blood of Jesus is still more epic than your most epic fail. It was also from prison where Paul wrote these words in Colossians. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. You have been released from your past and you have been given a future. That's right. Oh, the will just keeps getting better. We're going to start in verse 8 now. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Stop just a second. He's going to to give us wisdom and understanding into what? Well, it says God's now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance. And he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this. So we would praise and glorify him. So what's still true? You're chosen and cherished, forgiven and freed. And friend, you are still informed and indwelled. You see, one of the greatest blessings, maybe you've never thought about this. One of your greatest blessings as a son and daughter is that the father has told you what he's about to do. He has given you revelation that not everyone has. The Father has let us in on what He's up to. Now, I don't have to tell you the world's broken. I mean, since Genesis 3, and we fell, and our our relationship to God was severed, and then in Genesis 4, our relationship with each other was severed as, as Cain murdered Abel. I mean, since Genesis 3 and Genesis 4, there has been nothing but disunity in the world. Now, you don't need me to tell you this. (laughs) Just check social media, okay? I mean, there's not a subject out there we can't argue about and pick sides and choose teams and and somehow signal our virtue by telling all the people how we think we're better than them. This is how we live in this world. And it feels 
normal. I got some good news, church. There's a new normal on the way. And through Christ, the creation is going to come back to its intended order. It's going to be repaired. Look what he said. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Now, how good is it of God to let us know what he's up to? To let us know where history is headed. The future is headed to the universal acknowledgement of Jesus. This is still true. I don't care how crazy life gets in the days ahead. We know what's going to happen. We know what the last chapter says. And this is life giving to us if we can think about it. But the father knows his kids are going to need some help to think about it. And so to help us remember that the future is sealed, you know what the God did? God sealed his kids. He didn't just inform us. He indwelled us. He gave us his own spirit. Now, that's so cool. Again, as an adoptive father, I can't give my adoptive kids my DNA. You say, that's impossible for an adoptive father to give his kids his DNA. Not for God. (laughs) Nothing's impossible for God. So God says, I'm just going to pour my own nature into my adopted kids. It says he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. There's three great salvation events in your Bible. Bethlehem, God is with us. Calvary, God is for us. Pentecost, God is in us. Sounds like us is really blessed. And here's the thing. We need to let the one who is in us guide our thoughts more than what is going on around us. The Spirit does so many things for us, but one of His most important ministries is the Spirit speaks the thoughts of God to us to banish our fear, to erase thoughts of scarcity, The Spirit speaks to us. If we will be still, we can learn to listen to the voice of the Spirit. And the Spirit will tell us that we're released from our past. The Spirit will tell us that we're beloved right now in this present. And the Spirit will remind us we are destined for a glorious future. God has sealed you with the Holy Spirit to still your heart. And to remind you of what's coming. Don't miss that. So uh, many years ago I got to go to a conference. And there was a pastor there named Leith Anderson. And Leith Anderson tells a great story. He grew up in Brooklyn. Back when the Dodgers were a part of it. And he was a big Brooklyn Dodger fan. And he remembered he got to go as a little boy to his very first baseball game against the New York Yankees. And, And I've got this great picture. If you're a baseball fan you'll remember this. He was talking about it, and and he was so disappointed. The Dodgers lost the game. In fact, no Dodger got on base, and he left the game deflated. And years later, he's telling a friend, yeah, my very first baseball game, not a single Dodger even got on base. And his friend said, you were there? You were there? You were there when Don Larson pitched the only perfect game in World Series 
history. You were at that game, and it dawned on Leith. I was so focused on what I had lost, I didn't realize I was witness to one of the great moments of history. Listen, the enemy wants to get us so focused on what we've lost that we can't see the huge thing that God is doing right now. The huge thing that God is preparing us for. The Holy Spirit is saying every day, if you'll listen, God has got this. And God has got you. And that is still true. And so, so nothing should steal our praise. Now remember, Paul wrote this from prison. And yet go back and read that will. Four times this man who cannot go where he wants to go and cannot do what he wants to do Four times he says, I'm praising God. Thank God for God. Because he realized the enemy could not steal his blessings. So he would not steal his praise. Now let me ask you honestly, has that been happening to you during this season? All the things you've lost, all the things that have been so frustrating, and you can't come together on the weekends with all of your church friends. And has the enemy stolen your praise? So I want you to imagine something. Imagine the pandemic's over. Imagine that you're in New York City and a big stretch here. Imagine you're a billionaire. I mean, you are worth a billion dollars. And you need to take a short cab ride. You get in the cab, and the fare's about $6. You pull out your wallet, and you only have three $10 bills in your wallet. So you said, take this. You give the cab driver a $10 bill, so keep the change, and you go on your day. Now, that night, you get back to your hotel, you open up your wallet, and you only see one $10 bill. What happened? Did I drop my other $10 bill on the sidewalk? Did I mistakenly give that cab driver two $10 bills? Are you going to lose sleep over this? Are you going to go up and down the sidewalk looking for that $10 bill? Are you going to call the cab company and say, check that cab in the back seat? Are you going to find the name of the cab driver and say, I gave you too much money. I want my $10 back. He said, of course not. You're too rich to worry about stuff that petty. Okay, if you can't take an application of that one, you're not listening. <laughs> we are too rich to be so frustrated by the things that frustrate us. People won't act like we want them to act. Somebody says something that hurt my feelings. Something didn't go the way I wanted it to go. And we're going to fret and we're going to lose sleep and we're going to worry ourselves into sickness when we are the richest people on the planet. And so let me say again, God doesn't love me if, God loves me even if. And I'm not going to praise God if, I'm going to praise God, even if. Pandemic or no, I am chosen and cherished. I am forgiven and freed. I am informed and indwelled. Thank God for God today, right now. Thank God for God. You know, one of the sweet things about the pandemic, ironically, has been getting to spend Sunday mornings with my wife. 
I mean, do you understand when you're a pastor, you hardly ever spend Sunday morning with your family. We don't even go into church in the same car together. I, I hardly ever just get to worship with my wife. And so in the last several months, we've been able to worship together. And you know, you know something about my wife. She's a worshiper. She's not going to let not getting to be in a special bill to keep her from getting her praise on. In fact, she, 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 I took this picture. This was last Sunday. I don't know what song we were singing, but she's in the house and she's just doing her thing. And she's probably going to kill me when she finds out I took this picture. <laughs> but that's my wife. She's not going to worship if. She's going to worship even if. Nothing is going to steal her praise. And nothing should steal yours. Because you are still blessed. And so I'm going to close by praising God for our blessings. But I want you to join me. We're going to read together a passage, and I want you to read it out loud. I want you to read it from your couch. I want you to read it uh, if you're on a walk right now. I want you to read it uh, in your apartment, wherever you are. I want you to read this with me. This comes from the book of Jude. It's the last two verses. I changed two words, you to us, because it's actually a plural pronoun anyway. I want us to read this out loud. We are going to, wherever we are together, one in spirit across Fort Worth and across the country, we are going to thank God. God, for God, because we're still blessed and he still deserves our praise. So you ready, church? Let's read this together. Now, all glory to God who is able to keep us from falling away and will bring us with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him alone who is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are His before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for you. We thank you for being a Father that pours out blessings on His kids. We thank you for giving us blessings we can never lose. Help us, God, to hear the Spirit direct our thoughts toward our wealth and to defeat all those thoughts that want to think about our loss. Give us, God, an overflow of an awareness of our abundance and help us to live like children who are confident of their inheritance. May, God, our joy in who we are and what we have in Christ be more contagious than this virus. We say all this in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen.